Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. This is Pastor Laura Hutchinson from First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama. This is a partial worship service, uh, nothing like the services we have in our um, full worship service in the sanctuary, but it is 2020, and so we do things differently right now, don't we? So I hope that you uh, enjoy the service and that you get something out of it. Today is the second Sunday of the Advent season, the season of anticipation and preparation for the coming of the Christ child. The first Sunday, last Sunday, we lit our first Advent candle, and today we will light our second Advent candle. So I invite you to gather your communion elements, your uh, juice or wine, your bread or crackers, and also two candles, one for the first Sunday of Advent and another one for the second Sunday of Advent. The first candle will be already lit, so if you want to go ahead and light that one, you can. The, the, the first candle is the candle of hope. And so today, let us worship with hearts filled with joy as we pre prepare our hearts and minds for the welcome presence of God. Let us worship in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And now the lighting of the Advent wreath. Remember, we start with one candle already lit. And now, O oh God, we light the second candle of Advent. We seek your comfort, both mighty and tender you come. Prepare our hearts to be transformed by you. Isaiah announced God's coming to a people exiled in a broken and parched wilderness. He declared that God's redemption would make a highway in the desert and change the rough places into plain. God would come as a shepherd, feeding, leading, and cradling the weary flock. This Advent, we seek such a God. Saving God, look upon your world and heal your land and your people. Prepare us to be changed. This Advent, teach us to be tender and just as you are. Amen. Sing with me now our hymn of praise found in your Friday Reminders email. Let us sing together when God is a child. When God is a child, there's joy in 
our song. The last shall be first, and the weak shall be strong, and none shall be afraid. Today's scripture comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me, and I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Okay, so how familiar are you with John the Baptist? What do you know about him? Do you know that he was the son of Mary's elderly cousins, Zechariah and Elizabeth? born to them very late in their lives. In fact, Jesus and John first met before they were ever born. And in Luke 1, 39 through 41, Elizabeth said that John leapt in her womb in that moment that Mary entered the room. It says that in that moment, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is significant. Because while the Jewish people of that time knew that the Holy Spirit of God had been present in the world and had guided the prophets, they did not believe the Spirit had been in the world for a very long time. This re-entry of the Spirit of God into the world was a sign that the fulfillment of the prophecies was coming to pass. As the angel Gabriel told Zechariah, John would not consume alcohol, which means he would be a Nazarite. A Nazarite was an Israelite consecrated to the service of God who made vows to avoid alcohol, who, to grow their hair long, and to avoid contact with corpses. In, in other words, they were to stay pure. While most people, like the Old Testament Samuel, became Nazarites later in life, John was a Nazarite declared by God before he'd ever even been born. 
The scripture says the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out of the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The first words of the Gospel of Mark cite the foretelling of John the Baptist and establish him as a prophet sent to the world by God. His whole purpose was to create an atmosphere where people would be ready to receive the Messiah. He was to pave the way for Jesus to come in and begin his work. So by the time we meet John in our text today, he had a well-established ministry of preaching repentance and baptizing, and he also had many disciples of his own. He could easily have used his following to elevate himself to a place of great power and importance, especially because some of his disciples already thought of him like that. They wanted him to be in a position of great power and importance. But instead, he preached these words. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John was very clear about his purpose in life, and so he never abused his position. He was born to point people to Jesus, and that is what he did. As a minister, John is an excellent example to me, as I believe he should be to all preachers of God's word. He never made it about himself, right? He always sought forgiveness for his followers in the eyes of God, and he knew that Emmanuel, God incarnate, Jesus, the Messiah, was coming to make that possible. But it is really easy for preachers and teachers of the Bible to get caught up in our own hype. And it's really easy for lay people to look to a pastor and venerate them beyond their true nature and calling. And in addition to ministers who let their pride get ahead of them, there are also many people who claim to be prophets of God and often end up leading people astray. For us ministers, we need to allow John to be our guide as to how to do this job that we've been called to do. And for you lay people, you need to look to John to show you what your minister and preachers should be like. Now, I'm not going to start eating locusts, and I'm not going to wear camel hair. Now, a, a camel-colored coat I might be open to. But it is his behavior that I'm going to start that I need to be modeling. Is your preacher seeking fame and glory, or does their preaching and teaching carry a message of humility? Does it point you towards an unyielding faith in Jesus the Christ and not in them? There are so many false prophets in our world, so many people who claim to speak for God, but you can easily identify the charlatans. Their messages often include claims of their own greatness and wisdom. Their message often asks for money in a way that is different from a tithe or offering to God. 
Because that money goes to make the pastor rich rather than serving the hungry and the poor, rather than spreading the good news into the world, rather than helping people fall in love with a God who sacrificed everything so we could be with him. Tithes and offerings are for God, not to help make the preacher rich enough to drive a luxury car or to wear designer suits or to live in a mansion or have a private jet. John was humble but forceful in his message. He was strange and eccentric and simple in his lifestyle, and he was completely and utterly devoted to guiding people to someone other, to someone greater than himself. That's what it is to be a minister. And you don't have to be a minister to allow your evangelism to lose its focus, do you? How many people in this world claim loudly to be pious and righteous and without sin? How many people use their testimony to show how great they are rather than how great God is? How many people become evangelists because they want bragging rights about how many people they've saved? It's easy to get caught up in all of that. But it goes against everything that God calls the body of Christ to be. And we only have to look to John to understand that. The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. When I was in seminary, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, the first black archbishop of the Anglican Church in South Africa, was a professor in residence for two semesters. I was in awe of him because of the work that he had done to fight for human rights in South Africa, the Middle East, and other places in the world. He is a renowned theologian and the author of many amazing books. And because of my awe, I desperately wanted to talk to him and be close to him and be friends with him and to have him talk to me and be close to me and be friends with me. Unfortunately for me, my inappropriate awe led me to elevate him beyond who God called him to be. And on the few occasions that I did get to speak to him, all I could do was give him silly, meaningless compliments. And because of his humble nature, and his clear understanding of his purpose in ministry, he would have none of it. Each time I tried to praise him, he would turn his back on me and walk away. It was somewhat devastating to me at the time, for sure, but I quickly came to realize my mistake and his wisdom. If I had done the same thing to John the Baptist, I might have gotten the same response, don't you think? John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now there's no telling how many people John baptized in his ministry. No way to know how many thousands of people passed through the waters under his guidance. But we do know why John encouraged baptism. As he said, he only baptized with water, not with the Spirit, as we do now because of Jesus. So what was the point? 
Well, what he wanted was for people to participate in a ritual that physically moved them to turn back to God. That's what repentance literally means, to turn back to God, to turn your back on your sinful behavior. John wanted people to be forgiven of their sins, to be in right relationship with God, to be in a place where they were ready to receive the love of Jesus Christ into their lives. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We as Christians, members of the body of Christ, are entrusted with the same task as John the Baptist. Nothing that we do is for our glory. Nothing that we do should seek to make people like us or love us or anything like that. What we do is so that people can see Jesus for who he really is. So people can understand that Jesus is God with all the power and love of God. So that people will be filled with awe at knowing that Jesus, God, knowing what he did for them and why he did it. So that people can be forgiven of their sins fully and completely. And we Christians, as members of the body of Christ, have to be transparent about the fact that we too have been forgiven of our sins, that we are no better than anyone else, and that the only person with any power to change anything in anyone's life is Jesus the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen? I struggle with this as much as anyone might because I am a person who wants to be liked by everyone. I just am. I want people to respect me and to love me and to look up to me as much as the next person. And when you're in a position to love on people in the name of Jesus as I am, you can easily find yourself in a position where people grow to love you too much. And that feels really good, right? In the moment. But John shows us that it's not good for anyone for, for one human to honor another human too much. And that's because the only one who should have all of our honor, awe, respect, love, and so forth is Jesus, God with us. We need to be careful who we give honor and glory to, don't we? And we need to be careful not to let anyone else give us honor and glory as well. The name of the game is humility before God and humility before our fellow human being. The point of it all is well, to point. The body of Christ is supposed to act as one big flashing arrow that says this way to Jesus. This way to perfect love. This way to forgiveness. This way to being in relationship with God. This way to eternal life. This way to the one who is more powerful than I. We are the church, people who have come together to prophesy the coming of the Lord so that we have taken up the charge, first led by John the Baptist, the, char to, the charge to humbly and confidently and lovingly point the world towards the true power in creation, 
so that all people can know the love of God in Christ Jesus. This Advent season, let us do what we can to prepare ourselves and the world for that amazing event, the day that God was born into the world, the day that pure love took its first breath, the day that life was given the chance for eternity. Let us all prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. Amen? Amen. of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, our identity statement is this. We are Disciples of Christ, a movement for wholeness in a fragmented world. As part of the one body of Christ, we welcome all to the Lord's table as God has welcomed us. And also, as part of the one body of Christ, we are entrusted with the important task of inviting all to that table, aren't we? You see, it is in the inviting that people begin to understand who Jesus really is. An invitation is something we give when we want to spend time with someone. It's an act of hospitality and it's an act of love. Jesus invites us. And so in Jesus's name, we invite others. We are all invited to partake of a meal. But more importantly, we are invited into the presence of God. We are invited to receive God's grace and we are invited to be with God now and forever. As Christ invited me, I invite you to eat and drink at this table, to partake of this communion meal, and to join me in the glorious gift of God's love and forgiveness. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the invitation to eat at your table and dwell in your presence. Forgive us of the sins we commit in life, of the times we do the wrong thing, 
and of the times we fail to do the right thing. Wash us clean of our transgressions and make us worthy to be with you now and forever. Amen. I invite you to come and eat. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. And now let us sing together, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. Join me in the Litany of Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ, Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ, Christ will come, come again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Like John the Baptist, we are called to humbly tell people about Jesus' love and sacrifice. As you go from this place, pledge to take every opportunity to share God's love in Christ with everyone you meet. Go in peace. Amen. And as we go, let us sing our hymn of sending forth. 
Come along, expected Jesus. Yeah. 